Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. You may hear it. Down goes Frazier! Matt, Bob, I figure the only way I'm ever going to get to talk about fighting on this on on Mashup Monday is when it happens on a baseball field. What do you think? And it did happen on a baseball field. And if we dig a little bit, you'll be able to hear Tom Hamilton's play-by-play call, the voice of the Cleveland Guardians, quickly transitioning into his boxing play-by-play announcing and down goes Anderson down goes Anderson was his play-by-play call in the Cleveland Chicago brawl that has resulted in multiple suspensions this is what baseball needed this is how baseball gets all the attention thrust upon itself in early August actually that's not true baseball had a great weekend and I mean an almost unprecedented weekend at the gate at the box office where all 15 home teams averaged over 35,000 fans per game over the weekend but it was highlighted by the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Guardians brawl between Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez in which Anderson took the standing out eight count he got socked in the jaw and down he went right next to second base as the benches cleared and suspensions were heavy today in Major League Baseball. Anderson got six games. Ramirez got three. And the cool thing about this one is this wasn't just a pitcher versus a batter. This wasn't your typical pitcher hits batter, other pitcher hits other batter. The teams come out of the dugout, they push and shove, and that's the end of it. This had been percolating for several days, several games back between the White Sox and the Guardians. And with several players involved, lots of trash talking and pushing and shoving and glaring at one another. And it finally all came to a head at second base when Ramirez went sliding into the bag against Anderson. They popped up. Fists were clenched in boxing position. Tom Hamilton, the announcer, was doing his best. Howard Cosell that you heard there just a moment ago. And away they went. It's great for baseball. Come on. It's great for baseball. How is that the best fight of the weekend? That that's how much trouble boxing and MMA is in, is that was the best fight of the weekend. I would agree with that. That's the only fight that I saw, so I can't comment on that. Matt, maybe you saw all the other fights, but the only fight I saw was the Tim Anderson-Jose Ramirez bout. I did not watch any boxing or MMA, so that, I guess, was loosely a fight. Uh, So, yes, that was the best. As baseball fights go, that was a pretty good one. That was way more than just the usual milling around and pushing and shoving and who knows if it's the end of it i mean these teams are rivals i haven't looked at the schedule but i'm sure they've got more games to play they'll probably be on their best behavior for the most part of it but who knows both managers got suspended for a couple of games um so it stole a couple of headlines this weekend beyond the nfl training camps and the women's soccer team losing and the rest of Major League Baseball, which, as I said, had a really good weekend. And then, of course, as Matt talked about at length on Border to Border, the latest conference realignment. Now, I'll tell you what, Matt, 
I agree with you that the sky is not falling on college football, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I think there's a lot of us out there who don't like the path that it has taken, myself included. Am I going to be watching on Saturday around the games that I broadcast? Of course I am. And are they going to be in new conferences? And I'm going to take a look at the standings in those new conferences? Of course I am. It's just the pathway that was taken to get to where we are is disappointing, particularly for the West Coast fans who have been enamored by the Pac-12, which for years and years really did stake a claim of many, many multiple championships in many, many different sports from the fall to the winter to the spring. So it's just going to be different. But college football, the sky is not falling. I agree. There you go. I like that, Bob. That's very nice. Uh, I I mean, listen, it, it, it is tough to see the way things are happening. But as I said, Bob, I mean, we're just we're just cutting out the fat. We're just kind of, look, the Pac-12 didn't have a TV deal. The Pac-12 had no direction. So what do you do with things that just don't have a direction? You either help them out and try and have them fix it, or you help them out in different ways by taking all their teams and forcing them to go in a different direction. I guess the thing I'm eyeballing now, because I think I heard you say this, and you're absolutely right. I mean, some of the rivalries, at least, that we were used to seeing are going to continue because the teams went hand-in-hand to the same conference, whether it was Arizona-Arizona State or UCLA-USC. There's a couple of those rivalries that they're going to have to mend some fences in order for them to continue because I'm sure Washington State's feelings are hurt and Oregon State's feelings are hurt, and maybe they're going to say, look, we're not going to play Washington anymore. We're not going to play Oregon anymore. They're not in the same conference. Nobody's mandating us to do that. The heck with them. They messed up what we had going. We're going to mess up what they have going. And that's not great. It's not great for the fans. It's not great for the for the players. I get all of that. There will be new rivalries that will be born out of this. I certainly understand it. And I guess I'm most curious now, Matt, as to what happens to the Pac-4. Like, what happens to those remaining four teams? They've either got to go find a home in one of the other conferences, Mountain West, AAC, somewhere, or some teams, a, a lot of teams, are going to have to come to them in order for them to have a legitimate conference moving forward. Well, hopefully the thing that doesn't happen is what Pete Thamel said last hour because it would be a disaster for the ACC. So I would hope that the ACC would ignore any sort of phone calls from Cal and Stanford. Yeah, I think I just saw a glimpse of that. I've been kind of scurrying around a little bit today. So what was that rumor that he had out there? Uh, In the next 24 hours, there's two calls for the ACC to vet and have early exploratory discussions on the potential addition of Cal and Stanford. One is the ADs and the other is for the league presidents and chancellors. Well, if they're going to go get Cal and Stanford, why don't they just go get the other two teams as well? And all four of them could be in the Western time zone at least, and they're going to stretch from Atlantic Coast to Pacific Coast. Having just those two out there, boy, they're out on an island to do that. Well, here's the problem then. If you bring any of those teams in, then apparently the uh, grant of rights gets renegotiated, and that leaves the door open for Florida State to leave and Clemson to leave and Carolina and Virginia to leave and all that stuff. So I'd rather stick and stay than add these two and lose four others. Yeah, you got to believe, and obviously the ADs and the presidents of the Atlantic Coast Conference schools, they know that, and that has been reported. That has been written, that if there's a change to the number of schools and who the schools are in the ACC, that could put a hole right through the grant of rights, and that's the last thing the ACC wants right now. They need that ironclad document to stay in place 
as long as it possibly can. Now, obviously, people at Florida State, those trustees who were mouthing off last week have already said, that document is not going to stand in our way of leaving. Well, it has up to this point, so I don't know how they're getting out of it. But you got to believe, Matt, the ADs and presidents are smart enough to, to know we're not taking Stanford and Cal at the expense of, of losing Florida State and Clemson. Right. As I said, there's only one team that I would blow up the grant of rights for, and we know yeah. it's not going to happen, and it's Notre right. Dame. Like, Absolutely. I mean, I, that's the only one, because I don't. if you bring in uh, Notre Dame, Florida State's not going anywhere because the revenue is going to go insane. But we all know that Notre Dame's independence is the most important thing they've got, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think the ACC has to do whatever possible to stand pat here. Because of the grant of rights. If that's really accurate, that making any kind of change to the conference membership is going to break the grant of rights, I don't I don't see how the ACC can do that. I really don't. Uh, and, and it's not like you're at, I mean, obviously, and I know we don't think of talent, we don't think of any of that sort of stuff, but like, what does Cal and Stanford add to the ACC? They stink in football, they stink in basketball. Um, there's reputation there, I think, and the presidents will probably be enamored by their academic status, I guess. But I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I think those are good enough schools, but I don't know that they're good enough at the expense of what it's going to mean to the ACC and the travel that's going to be involved and the time commitment that's going to be involved. Um, I, don't, I don't see where that's all that attractive. I'm a little surprised they've even gone this far, but I guess you got to do your due diligence. You better not be accused of just standing pat and, you know, letting the realignment world pass you by. So I guess they've at least, I guess it can't hurt them to have phone conversations or Zoom conversations and vet them out. But at the end of the day, I just can't imagine the ACC presidents voting them into the ACC, knowing what that might mean. Uh, Eric Prisbell of On3 Sports is reporting, and this is obviously another logical thing. The AAC is interested in adding the four remaining Pac-12 schools. Now, the question is, what does that add for the four Pac-12 schools other than potentially a somewhat stable TV deal? Well, yeah, it gives them a stable TV deal and it gives them a stable conference because they can't exist, just the four of them. I mean, you need six teams in order to be um, automatic qualifier for postseason play. So they're below that line when we get to 2024. So that one makes a little more sense to me than the ACC talking to Stanford and Cal. Yeah, because then, the, I mean, the big decision is, do you do that? Do you join the AAC? Do you join the Mountain West? Of course, I don't think the, the Pac-12 is going to join the Mountain West. I think the Mountain West joins the Pac-12. And then do you add from the AAC? Does an SMU come over? Does a South Florida come over? Does, a, you know, some of the Tulsa come over? So I, I think that's the decision they have to make. But once again, Bob, we don't have a TV deal yet for the Pac-12. That's so, their big problem. You're right. right. You're right. Right. What is the uh, what's the Mountain West deal? Do you know what what their TV deal is? I don't even know. Um, like, is, it, is it worth those four teams taking a look at that? And if they do join, doesn't that perhaps help the Mountain West to renegotiate a TV deal with somebody? I would guess so. Uh, so I don't see the Mountain West one. This story says in 2019, the AAC secured a 12 year, one billion dollar rights deal with the with ESPN. So that's that's not a bad uh, TV deal for the AAC, which is somehow better than the Pac-12, even though the product on the field is horrible. Yeah, that's not bad. And then if you add those four schools, I would bet you could renegotiate it to some point to make it even a little bit more lucrative, even if you have to give those four schools a little bit less 
than what the rest of the conference is getting. Isn't that happening with, with some of those Pac-12 schools that are moving? They're not getting as much money in the first couple of years. It's kind of like on a on an escalating scale, but they're not getting as much as the current membership. So the Mountain West media deal is a six-year contract with CBS Sports and Fox Sports. The deal was made in 2020 and runs through 2026. It's worth $270 million, and um, they're paying their members around $4 million annually from the revenue. So if you're the four Pac-12 schools and you think that's your best bet, I think what you're doing is you're betting on yourself and you're rolling the dice that for a couple of years you're going to get undervalued, right? When did you say it ends? In 26? Yes. So they would move in 24, so that's a couple of years uh, where they will get undervalued dollar, no doubt about it, but that when they go to renegotiate the next deal with those four schools as part of the Mountain West – they could come up with a more lucrative deal that's perhaps similar to what you said the AAC has. That that would make some sense to me. But you are rolling the dice. You are kind of betting on yourself a little bit there that that will actually happen. Well, and you're betting on the college football playoffs still keeping a group of five spot open, yeah. which I would like to think they will, but who knows? That's the only other thing because, once again, the Pac-12 would not be a power five. I would assume they would go to a group of four or a power four conferences and leave the Pac-12 out. It should have been left out all along, but you know, we with those other schools, you still keep them in, but... Without them, I imagine we're going to a power four. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you keep them in. If the schools, I know you're not a big Pac 12 guy because they haven't won a whole lot of games lately, but uh, they do bring a lot to the table, I think. If they had stayed together, if they had stayed together, we know it's cyclical, and sooner or later, the Pac 12 is going to win some championships in something. And it's going to have some value. But, but that's a moot point because it's not happening. They've already broken up, and they're down to those, those four teams right now. All right. So that's what started that conversation. But but the bottom line is I, I don't think it's great for college athletics, for those of us that don't like the direction college athletics is headed, but we're still going to watch. And college football isn't going to die, and college basketball is going to go on, and even those other sports are going to go on. And I've seen the comments. I'm sure you have as well, Matt. I know we've got to move here in a moment. You know, from coaches of other sports who are coming to the defense of their Olympic sport brethren, you know, to the sisterhood and brotherhood of baseball and softball and, you know, field hockey and and volleyball and all those sports. I get it. But at the end of the day, football is paying those bills. Yes, it is. And that's, I mean, and that's unfortunately the, probably the way it should be, I would say. I mean, it's, it's the biggest sport of them all. It gets the most eyeballs. Yeah. And basketball follows behind and the two of them kind of rule the roost so i'm with you i don't i think we're just our, our viewing habits are going to change you know we're going to we're going to take a look at the standings in the paper or, or, or online and we're going to see who's in the big 10 and the big 12 now and the sec and we're going to follow them and we're going to watch college football i don't like it that much it's almost a little like baseball where i wasn't crazy about all the rule changes necessarily but I'm still going to watch it, and you know I'm still going to root for my team, and I'm still going to enjoy it, and I think that's going to happen in, in college football when all of this dust settles. And what may also happen is we may have more teams at a secondary level that will include some of the teams that we cover on a regular basis because I, I still think you could see a seismic switch still in what we consider FBS and FCS and those mid-conferences like you know, like your favorite Mac could all be grouped into one big, I don't even know what the word is, Matt, conference, subdivision, smorgasbord. something. Smorgasbord. That's the word of the day. That There you go. It could all be one big 
smorgasbord. Leave it to AJ to come up with that analogy. And with that, let's move on on Mashup Monday. Here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During these hot summer months, donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the Red Cross. To learn how you can help, visit Red Cross. Org. For those of you joining us for the first time on a Monday, we welcome you to the rest. Just a reminder, Mashup Monday means a combined hour between 4 and 5 with Matt, who just finished up Border to Border from 3 to 4, and then I'll take us home from 5 to 6 with a regular hour of the sports huddle. Matt and I co-hosting here in the 4 o'clock hour. Nothing else changes. Phone number the same, 804-327-0888. That's also our text line, 327 Eight, eight. One guest for you this afternoon coming up in the 5 o'clock hour at 5.30. Steve Molesky, good friend from Masson Sports and the Orioles Radio Network. He's going to join us, Baltimore, with a well-deserved day off today. Man, have they been rolling. If you've watched the Orioles at all, you know how much fun of a team they are. And Steve's having a great time covering them, I can tell you that. Uh, he will join us at 5.30 this afternoon to talk about the best team in the American League, the Baltimore Orioles, who are just coming off a sweep of the New York Mets. I'm not even going to get into that with AJ at this point, but they did sweep the Mets and they took three out of four from the Blue Jays and they took two out of three from the Yankees and the Orioles are rolling in the American League. We'll talk with Steve Molesky from Mass and Sports at 5.30 about that. Other than that, we're wide open this afternoon. Matt and I until 5 o'clock, and then I got you from 5 until 6. Again, 804-327-0888. We'll talk about whatever might be on your mind, and Matt and I will pick up on all of that when we come back after a timeout as we approach 20 after 4 on a Monday afternoon on 1061 ESPN. So to give you a little uh, inside radio today, Matt is in our ESPN Richmond studio. AJ, obviously, in the producer's booth in our ESPN Richmond studios. And I am hosting remotely today, which, um, Matt, that will be kind of interesting. I know we're not a weather station or anything along those lines. And I know we got all these meteorologists at all our TV stations, and they sacrifice sports for more meteorologists at our TV stations. But apparently... There could be some severe weather. Later today, I saw a tweet from Godwin High School. They've canceled all activities for this afternoon and this evening. I noticed even up further north, the University of Maryland closed at like 4 o'clock this afternoon. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to look out the big picture window over there on the south side and let me know if there's any severe weather within your eyesight. I uh, know. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, clouds in the sky. Now, six. I believe they said 6 to 9 is the, uh, is the time. But, um, yeah, I don't see anything right now. Sunsplashed. There it you is. go. And out here on the West End, it's not sunsplashed necessarily, but it's not ominous looking yet either. A little bit of breeze. And I just checked the radar as well, and it just doesn't look like there's a whole lot of green, orange, and yellow. But I don't want to undersell the thing, and I don't want to get anybody caught in there. My whole point here is the mats on one side of town. I'm on the other we do our meteorological work just by looking out the window. So we can certainly give you that. 
And if it does get severe, you should know that we will be interrupted um, by those important weather alerts, just to let you know if that happens happens over the course of the next couple of hours. But I just happened to look out the window. I was like, it's not that bad here. Matt said it's not that bad there. Who knows what could happen later. But anyway, all right, let's get to the phone. Let's get back to sports talk. If anything happens, uh, you'll hear the weather alerts here on 106.1 ESPN. All right, Caesar, you're up at about 425 on the sports huddle. Good afternoon. Caesar, don't be shy. You know you aren't usually. AJ, are we connecting with Caesar? Maybe some bad weather. I don't know. <laughs> Caesar, call us back. 804-327-0888. I'm not even sure what he would have been talking about today, other than his Miami Hurricanes, I guess. Uh, but no Caesar, huh? Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, looks like we lost him there, Matt. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I think he's gone. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully he'll give us a he'll give us a call back. He probably had some opinion on what's happening in in college athletics these days. I heard you uh, very briefly. Like I said I was running around a little bit this afternoon. You can really tell it's football season, by the way, because things have things have certainly picked up for yours truly from a University of Richmond standpoint and stuff going on out there. I got to watch most of practice this morning, and that was actually kind of fun um, to take a, take a peek on those Richmond Spiders who will have their first scrimmage uh, Saturday morning, actually, at Robin Stadium getting set, uh, getting set for the season. I heard you mention that at Commander's Camp today there was – I don't know what you want to call it, a, a, you know, an uprising of the fact that Jacoby Brissett was taking snaps with the first string. Is that accurate? I, I only heard part of your conversation there, Matt. Uh, yeah, basically. You know, some people were, were uh, lamenting the fact that Sam Howell wasn't with the ones today, and I, I think it makes kind of sense. You, yeah. This is not a full-blown – this is a full-blown competition. Well, even for teams where there is no comp, I mean, Marcus Mariota is going to take some snaps with the first team in Philadelphia, right? I mean, that's Jalen Hurts' job. There's nothing going on there. But you got to have your backup ready. You can't give your starter every snap of every practice. He'll be he'll have rotator cuff surgery by the time opening week comes around. For crying out loud! Yes, and uh, you know it's one of our favorite exercises, and we always like to caution people that it means absolutely nothing. But the Commanders have put out their first unofficial depth chart filled out by probably whoever their PR director is but uh, the first depth chart is out Bob not even the PR director I'll bet it's the PR intern who took a shot at the first depth chart so you're absolutely right there it doesn't it does it's not worth the uh, paper it's printed on or the computer screen that it's shining at us unless so AJ is right let's uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, well, could be. Your hopes are getting high there, AJ, aren't they, that it is going to be Jacoby. I told Matt to look at the gambling lines. I'm ready to play it. Go for it. That's not a bad bad gamble moving forward. I mean, it's a wrong one, but that's, yeah, right. you know. Yeah, he would have to get hurt, in my opinion, for Sam Allen not to be the starting quarterback. Keep hating. Keep hating. Sure. All right, let, let, let's get to the phone. Caesar has been diligent, and he got back with us, and I think he's on the air with us now. Hello, Caesar. Hello, Bob. Hello, Matt. Hello, AJ. You know, and I agree with all of you gentlemen, this guy's not falling, it's just materializing, it's changing. It's a new landscape. It has been changing for the last two to three years. Since Texas and Oklahoma left their conference looking to go to the SEC, then, you know, the Pac-12 hurt themselves. They didn't get a deal done last year 
to secure a TV deal with anybody. When Fox says they don't want to be your girlfriend anymore, he broke up with you, he had to go look for a new girlfriend. They couldn't find one. So now when they had that deal with Apple to stream their stuff, and it wasn't really adequate to make all those presidents and universities happy that didn't have the money, we have the deal. The kids are getting their money. The presidents aren't happy because they're not getting their money. Universities not getting their money. And that's the king of it. And this is not going to end of it, unfortunately, like Matt and Bob said. Will it help? Yes. Because what it is, with the ACC being smart, that they're staying put and they have their contract guaranteed for a few years, Florida State needs to just sit down be quiet. Clemson needs to sit down be quiet and know their role. Because you know what? When the dust settles, they're going to be in a better situation to pick and choose who they want and who they do not want. And that's what I want to say, and that's the bottom line. And go you. Yeah. <laughs> and go, go you. <laughs> Well, like we've been saying, Matt, I, I, I agree with that. I think the ACC is in actually an okay position, probably not for Florida State and Clemson's liking, perhaps, and maybe not for North Carolina's and Virginia's. They're just not yapping off about it as much. We all remember the Magnificent Seven story from a few months uh, ago, and then everybody seemed to kind of you know, kiss and hug and make up, and everybody was all right until Florida State opened its big mouth in the last week to ten days or so. Yeah, and it, right. listen, I, I think it's interesting. If Florida State says stuff and then is actually doing and following it up with doing something, then that's different. Then they still sound petulant and still sound like a child, but at least they're doing something. They've been screaming to the heavens, well, this thing's not going to stop us and you're not going to stop us, and, blah, blah, and and then nothing happens. They're still here in the conference. So I think that's completely different. And I guess with, with the events of the last 72 hours or so, like where does Florida State think it's going? I mean, do you really think? Like the SEC needs two more teams or one more team or the Big Ten, they're they're you know they're bursting at the seams now. I don't know if they would need to share the pie with one more member. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, and then or potentially two members or if two, right, if if right. Cal and Stanford both come in. It just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree. I do. I hope I hope the no, ACC can it, it, The best thing to happen for the wait things play out. And like what Matt said, it makes common sense. You're not going to be able to go to the SEC and beat all those teams if you're Florida State and Clemson. You have a better chance to get a college playoff, especially next year when they expand the field from 4 to 12, to make it and make a run for it. Where if you're going to get beaten up by those schools, you'll be able to win your conference and get in there and have a better chance to win. I mean, it's just called being smart. That's all. Work smarter, not harder. Well said, Caesar. Thank you, my friend. How about that? Congratulations. You take care, guys. Have a great day. And don't get caught in the ring. There you go. Congratulations, Matt. You made common sense, apparently. I do occasionally. In you all do. the fire and brimstone, occasionally I do actually make sense. <laughs> and you, you did on this one. But but Caesar does make another great point. You know What's, what's Florida State's best path? If they're going to be good again, and they were good last year, but then they had the five-year albatross around their neck before that, to get to the college football playoff, it's probably through the ACC, isn't it? Uh, yeah. 
I, I listen. Here's the thing. So you either, if you're Florida State, you're either considering the money aspect, in which case you go to the SEC uh, and you don't care about your competitive side, or if you want to compete and make championships, which is what this should all be about. You stay in the ACC, in which case you most years only have to beat Clemson, occasionally Miami, occasionally Pittsburgh. You know, some other team uprises for like a year or two. So it all depends on whether you're thinking ch- championships or money. Well, and I think you can have a little bit of both in in the ACC because, I mean, it's not like they're not getting paid in the ACC for what they're doing. They are. They already got it restructured once so that it's not equal shares for each member, which I agree with. There, You know, a lot of times I'm resistant to change. We're all resistant to change. But that seemed to be an archaic kind of dinosaur model that the ACC was running under where, you know, everybody gets a snack after the game Little League style Everybody gets the same amount of money, no matter whether you're, you know, Georgia Tech, Boston College, or Clemson, or Florida State. That didn't make any sense to me, and they corrected that. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's a little frustrating on the Florida State front. Yeah, I, it's just, I, I, you know, it's a, I mean, every, all the kids do it. You know, they they all say, "Well, I'm running away," or "I'm, you know, doing yeah. this," and then they don't actually go anywhere because they know that's where the food is and where their bed is. So, like Florida State's food and bed is in the ACC, uh, and then you know, go have two good years in a row. How about yeah. that? And then we'll we'll hear from you. And they're going to get a larger share of the pie for being better if they are better. And then aren't they even going to get more if they make a deep run into the college football playoff? Isn't that the point? Uh- I believe if it's kind of like the credits you get for the NCAA tournament, I believe that's the case. Right. So why not take your best path, which would be the ACC, as opposing to having to battle all those teams in the SEC or the Big Ten? I I think they're being very short-sighted right now, and I think you compared it uh, brilliantly to a small kicking and screaming child. And I think that's what Florida State is. Now, it'd be a little different if it was Clemson. A little different, although Clemson's not exactly coming off a great year. But Clemson's at least... Here's the thing, and I saw this point on Twitter. I wish I'm going to steal it here. Florida State's one of the reasons why the ACC is where it is, because Florida State's been terrible. If Tech and Florida State and Clemson have all been great consistently, the ACC's not in this spot. Like, the grant of rights is better, the TV deal's better, everything's better. But because those three schools have been terrible lately, well, Clemson, terrible for them... is like what three losses, two losses. Right. Yeah. If they were all better, the ACC's in a better spot, but they're not. So this is where we are. Yeah, I would pin a little bit more of that on Florida State and Virginia Tech, honestly. Well, and Miami too. And Miami, right? I would throw Miami in there too on the football. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right, timeout. Four thirty-five. We move along. It's a mashup Monday. That means Matt Joseph's from border to border. Bob Black from the Sports Huddle. AJ's keeping us all together as he hits the button, and we go to a break. And back on the other side on one hundred six one ESPN. Braves will keep us in mind. Follow the Atlanta Braves as they battle for a sixth straight division crown here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. The uh, Braves are in Pittsburgh tonight. 705 game 650 airtime here on 1061 ESPN. Spencer Strider goes for his 13th win of the season for Atlanta tonight, which continues to run away with the National League East. And as the promo mentions over and over again, their sixth consecutive NL East division title. Just saw there is actually a tornado watch in effect 
now for our area. So all kidding aside, I'm not going to underplay it. I'm not going to undersell it. Be on the lookout for that for all of Central Virginia and beyond till about 9 o'clock tonight. So be careful out there and uh, listen to all, heed all the warnings that you will hear on the radio or see on the television. All right, I can't, I can't let the hour go, Matt. I know you and I both get accused of sounding like WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia all the time, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And I assumed you followed the uh, baseball doings in Philadelphia this weekend. And I will say this, and I know I'm always, you know, Mr. Positive Guy when it comes to that sort of thing, but I don't know that I've ever been more proud to be a Philly native and a Philly sports fan than I was with what I saw from afar this weekend in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, the uh, standing ovation for a struggling player is as un-Philadelphia as it gets. But, uh, yeah, it was a it was, it was a good moment. Combine that with uh, 50,000 people, yep. 45,000 people yesterday for a practice at the link, and it was a solid weekend for the city of brotherly love. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And, look, first and foremost, they played the woeful Kansas City Royals for three games, and they sold out all three of those games. So they're coming to support the home team is my point there. You don't need a quality opponent necessarily to draw fans to the ballpark in Philadelphia. And then for those of you who didn't see, because I realize you're not following the Phillies as closely as Matt or I would be, me particularly in that case, but he has been terribly struggling almost all year long, almost since the end of the World Baseball Classic in which he was fabulous. He has been absolutely horrible since. He has always owned up to it. The media continues to document how hard he is working, extra batting practice, all of that. And rather than live up to their reputation of booing unmercifully guys who are playing poorly and struggling, there was a campaign in Philadelphia both on social media and on sports radio to give Trey Turner standing ovations when he came to bat on Friday night in an attempt to help him get out of whatever funk he is in. And it seems to have helped some. Obviously, he's got to do it himself eventually, but it had to make him feel pretty good. He had an RBI hit on Friday night. He had a uh, a lead-changing three-run homer on Saturday night. So he was getting back a little bit to where he was. And here's the other reason I say what I said, Matt. I don't know if you saw it, but Trey Turner or Trey Turner's agent, which is totally okay, that's what you pay him for, bought a series of billboards in Philadelphia that just said, thank you, Philly, with a picture in the background of Turner on his backswing from the three-run homer on Saturday night. I thought that was pretty cool also. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you don't actually ever see something like that. You usually just see it through the media or something like that. But that's, uh, I mean, listen, you make $300 million, you can afford several billboards. But, uh, yeah, that was very nice. Which is what he did. He did several billboards. And like I said, I'm sure that was an agent who was thinking very smartly to do something like that. And he did. The other thing that I've really chuckled about, and it's ironic they're playing them the next four games, although it's not in D.C., it's in Philly. They've got the Nationals, who, by the way, are playing very well right now. They just swept the Cincinnati Reds in in Cincinnati. But Bryce Harper on one of the post-game, either TV or radio, I don't even remember which, actually, you know, he was going on and on about how great the Philly fans are and the organization and great to stick up for, for Trey Turner. And he said, I wish I had begun my career here. Being Philadelphia, that's not going to endear him very much to those Washington National fans, is it? I don't think national fans are paying attention, but yes, that's something they certainly would not want to hear. <laughs> yeah, probably you're right. They're probably not. Although I'll give them some credit; they've actually uh, played played much better uh, as well. And and look, uh, in addition to all of this, 
the Phillies all of a sudden find themselves in probably a better spot than they were last year when they were scratching and clawing just to get in as a wild card team and they proved what you can do as a wild card team because they are they are leading the wild card race uh them and the uh and the giants and now how about the chicago cubs are actually making a move now and wouldn't that be cool for baseball if you could get chicago good again the cubs uh yeah everybody loves wrigley uh such a great uh, place to go see a game so uh that would be nice and, uh, you know, the Reds kind of uh, tailed off a little bit uh, because, obviously, when you rely on so, so much youth, you, you know, you, as, you, as the season goes on, it gets a little tougher. It does. Absolutely. And in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk some Oriole baseball because they certainly deserve it. I mean, they've overtaken Tampa Bay. They lead the American League East. They've got the best record in the American League. And look, Matt, I think I saw some of this coming, you know, because we saw how good a farm system they are. But I think even they have to say they are way ahead of schedule and have exceeded their expectations to this point. Um, yeah, probably, but they also know that there's a reason why they built their minor league system as much as they did for this exact situation. So, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, their starting pitching is probably not good enough, but the Jack Flaherty deal paid off in the in the first start. We'll see if he can keep doing that. Yeah, that was really good. Um, a lot of those pitchers did really well in their first starts uh, when they moved to new teams last week and and he was certainly certainly one of them so they're they're in really good shape and they i just think they have really good everyday players i I get the pitching thing but flaherty will help kyle gibson has had a really good year another veteran arm for them uh they're a really fun team to watch i said this last week and it was easy to say being a philly fan but because the phils took two out of three from them but i was so impressed by baltimore in that series just the way they play the game uh they're bringing the crowds back now to camden yards and i think that's good as well um that's a that's a good sign for baltimore and for baseball that that they're good this year i I, to have 70 wins i mean they're on a pace for like 101 or 102 wins Uh, i think that's ahead i think that's uh, we'll find i'll ask steve steve molesky's on the five o'clock hour with us um if that's the case but um good good for them for good for baltimore yes good uh, good it's always good to have new people involved in the playoffs instead of always having the same teams yeah, although I'd be happy if my team kept getting in the playoffs. That's the thing about that is is in a neutral observer, we you, we can say what you just said, but if you're a diehard of one of these teams, you want them to be in it every year. You don't you don't really care about that. So anyway, and we keep the Yankees out of it, which right now is certainly what's happening in in the American League. All right, let's get one more break in. We'll come back and uh, finish it up on the other side. Uh, Matt Matt's with us until 5 o'clock, and then I got you from 5 until 6 this afternoon as we move along on a Monday on the Sports Huddle and Border to Border. We call it Mashup Monday, and it's live on 106.1 ESPN. There are big contract stars. The aging veterans. He's trying to prove their worth. Starting positions will be won and lost. Dreams will be realized. Perform and stay on the team. Don't. And pack your bags. That's the reality of NFL training camp. Listen for the latest on 1061 ESPN Richmond. When you're... So, Matt, let's finish up with you for the afternoon here in the last five minutes or so on this realignment story that we've been chewing on, you know, all day and really since last week. And I was just reading through some more tweets. And this kind of struck me. And Nicole Auerbach, who I think you've had on before, and she does a terrific um, job in covering um, covering college athletics. And, and she phrased it in a way that got me to thinking about something. She said the ACC is having exploratory discussions regarding Stanford 
and Cal. She didn't say with Stanford and Cal. She said regarding Stanford and Cal. So, Matt, I'm no lawyer here. I'm not an AD either or school president. But I just wonder if those exploratory discussions begin with conversations with Florida State and with Clemson and with North Carolina and Virginia where they say, look, we'll take a look at Stanford and Cal if you will still be a part of this. Like, I don't know how you do that. Like, I don't know how you get them to sign a letter of guarantee that, hey, if we go get Stanford and Cal, we're going to be so much better and we're not going anywhere. I don't know if you can do that in this day and age, but I do got to believe there's some backdoor conversations happening with the current membership before they ever reach out to Stanford and Cal. Yeah, and, and that's what Pete Thamel said was that they were for the ADs and the presidents and chancellors, so they didn't actually say that they were talking with them. But, yeah, it makes sense, and I fully expect Florida State to be like, no, and that's not going to help us, and, and I think several others will be uh, able to do that as well. I, You know, it's funny because David Hale says that the grant, the, group of, the grant of rights would not change. Whereas several other people have said that the grant of rights would change. So I don't know who's right in this situation. If it doesn't change, then yeah, you maybe look at them and and see what happens. But if it does change, it's not worth letting those other ones out just to bring them in. Boy, that is a key point. If that thing doesn't change, then I get it even more. Uh, I'm still going to Florida State and Clemson and Virginia and Carolina, of course, to, to, to get some opinion on the situation. But if they can add a couple more schools and the grant of rights doesn't change or it strengthens one or the other then i I'm, then i say go for it go full bore go for it why not but if it does change to the point where it would let schools out of the grant of rights I, again the ad's and presidents are smarter than you and me they certainly understand that as well well yeah and they probably have all their law schools uh pouring <laughs> over every word of the grant of rights to see if there's any sort of mess ups or verbs that should be changed or whatever yeah I, I agree with that. but So I do think there are discussions happening. They'd be silly not to in this day and age. you got to consider every option out there. But I think that's a point that somebody's got to figure out the exact answer to it. And isn't the grant of rights, isn't that the, the document that, like, nobody has a copy of other than one original that's locked in some vault in the ACC office, which is moving from Greensboro to Charlotte, that will have an armored car or something carrying it from one location to the other. Isn't that the document that I think I read? Nobody has a copy of it. There's just one original. I That sounds like it, in which case that would be a problem. But uh, I would like to hope, Bob, it's on a flash drive and everybody's got uh, copies of it. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that's not the case. Need to know, Matt. Maybe they only give them what they need to know about their particular school, and that's it. Uh, all right, we will we'll continue to follow that as we move along, as well as uh, college football uh, practices continuing and NFL preseason this week. Uh, you excited about that? Commanders are when? Thir- Friday? Friday? Friday night. For, Friday for the Commanders, right? Yep. Uh, at Cleveland, that's their their one uh, their one away game in the in the preseason. So. Pretty much, uh, yeah. They play. Uh, they host the Ravens, and then they host the Bengals. So yes. yes. So does Sam Howe play in the first game, or, or they sit him in the first game? Uh, I'm guessing. Well, they won't come out with that till Tuesday or Wednesday. But I'm yeah. guessing it's Sam Howe one quarter, Brissett two quarters, from one corner, and then the next game it's the switch. Fair enough. It's my I guess. That, yeah. 
And, I mean, you do have to get Howell some snaps, I think, in preseason games just because, you know, of the, the rookie status, basically the rookie status that he has having played in only one game. I, I, I do think you've got to get him, you know, some snaps in, in the preseason games and you do your best to protect him as much as you possibly can. So. Right. You want your offensive line do, in there as much as they can. Yeah. And I looked at that depth chart, as, as you alluded to, and, of, of course, grain of salt with all of that. But but it looks, you know, fairly reasonable, doesn't it? Quite frankly, I don't see anything that's any great surprises. Correct. Yes, absolutely. All right, Matt, stay safe out there. I know you're going to make a little commute from the ESPN Richmond studio, so we'll let you go and do that. We'll be listening for you tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. Yep, sounds good. More on realignment with Matt tomorrow, I'm sure, during Border to Border from 3 to 4. We'll touch on it a little bit more in the 5 o'clock hour this afternoon. I'll get back to a little bit more baseball and some NFL chatter as well. All coming up in the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Auto. It follows the ESPN Sports Center update. We'll see if there are any realignment updates in the last hour that we've come across. And then we'll be back with the huddle from 4 to 5 right here on 1061 ESPN. Here's in Moss at 9520 West Broad Street.